1: Captains, you're listening to episode two hundred and sixty-eight of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live on Thursday, april twenty eighth, and available for download or streaming on Monday, May 2nd at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna
2: and I'm Mark.
1: And as always, in the recording studio is our audio engineer Winters. Hello everyone. So Mark, what's coming up this week?
2: This week, we check out the latest production news from both the Small Screen series and Star Trek Beyond. In Star Trek Online news, we've got a big convention announcement, and a familiar face has turned up on Ryza. On screen, Cookie and Elijah meet the binars in the TNG episode 11001001. Later, Jace delivers his latest Star Trek literary review in Treklet 101. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
1: Of course, don't forget to keep the conversation going at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast or on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can also send us an email via incoming at priorityonepodcast.com.
2: And finally, thanks again to all our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week. Visit us at patreon.com forward slash priority one and find out all the cool perks we have to offer. Speaking of Patreon perks, this week on Priority One After Hours
1: Has Hollywood run out of original ideas?
2: I mean, I like this new word that's getting sort of bandied about just now when it comes to films is, a reimagining.
0: It doesn't necessarily apply to just movies though, does it, because aren't they talking about redoing Battlestar Galactica again? Do you think Star Trek has no more stories to tell?
2: Do you think Star Trek is dead?
1: Um... Is that what you're trying to say? So I don't necessarily mind that there's no original stories in Hollywood.
2: This unscripted, uncensored and unedited recording is available exclusively to our Patreon subscribers.
1: Now let's check out some of the latest news in the world of Star Trek. Me, I
3: don't know. Then let's it out.
2: This week we have an update on the production progress of the new Star Trek small screen series coming to CBS All Access. According to the website popgoesnews.com, Studio space has been rented out in Toronto, Canada, and shooting is scheduled to begin this fall. As of this time, no casting announcements have been made, but when they are, if you decide to audition, let us know.
1: Can I just interject here and say that I might have to move to Toronto? Because. I know. Basically, my whole childhood fantasy was being an extra on Star Trek.
2: (laughs) Oh, I'm going for more than extra
1: no I, do, I only ever wanted to be an extra I just that would have been my ultimate I still kind of dream about it sometimes that it just be <laughs> would be cool to be one of the dudes kind of walking around on the back of the set it, because you wouldn't really have any there's no lines to remember it'd be yeah, totally true. low stress you just get to be in Star Trek it'd be so cool so I'm, cool
2: I'm just thinking you can't have a Star Trek show without a Scottish engineer and I'm more than happy to take up that burden
1: Well, uh, we can totally get in touch with some people Mm -hmm. and see if we can make that happen.
2: We shall. (laughs) And that brings us to our first community question. If you could be cast in the new Star Trek TV series, who would you want to be?
1: And in movie news, Simon Pegg is working hard to pull at the heartstrings of purist Star Trek fans while promoting Star Trek Beyond. In an interview with Steve Weintraub at CinemaCon, Peg expresses his joy on writing the film and working with Justin Lin. He also goes on to defend Lin from naysayers that might be afraid that we're going to see a fast and furious in space. In the interview, Peg says, quote, It's kind of a reductive, asinine criticism. Justin's history as a filmmaker started off with a Sundance movie called Better Luck Tomorrow. He's a smart, sensitive guy the fact that he was able to energize the Fast and Furious series is a testament to his smarts as a filmmaker he's not just the car chase guy end quote now I don't actually know very much about Justin Lin so I'll admit that I just think of him as the Fast and Furious guy so I'm not, <laughs> I am not. have to say though the, the, that Beyond trailer with the Beastie Boys music didn't go a very long way to dispelling that myth but I do trust oh. Simon Pegg. So
2: I hopefully have a new trailer soon. See where it goes from there.
1: Well, May the 20th is is when that fan event is going to be. So presumably it will be on or after that date that we'll we'll see the next trailer.
2: Or before, you never know.
1: <laughs> or before if if it happens yeah. like last time. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: With respect to the actual story being told, Justin Lin told Empire that the movie would explore and challenge the core philosophies of the Federation. Lin said to Empire, quote, This is the 50th anniversary. I felt like it was important to really deconstruct the idea of Star Trek, the idea of the Federation, and why it's special. We'll really be poking at a lot of different things, end quote.
1: And speaking of story... Isn't it cool that Simon Pegg actually reached out to the admins of Memory Alpha to help develop something for the story in Star Trek Beyond? Did you guys hear about this? At CinemaCon, he admitted that he relied heavily on Memory Alpha, which let's face it, we all do. Um, He said he reached out to the admins and within two hours they came back to him with a name for the device that he needed, along with a complete explanation on why it would be given that name in Star Trek lore, which I think is a brilliant story. And it's a real testament to the guys over at Mem- Memory Alpha um, who, who keep track of all of those type of things. It's brilliant.
2: Nice. Well, let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online.
1: Computer, status
4: report. Status. Incoming message. I'm
2: only in the mood for good news
1: today.
2: Well, Captains, welcome to STO News, where Ken and I bring you the big news of the week in Star Trek Online.
1: And first up, convention season is coming up quick, and we've had our first confirmation of some of the Cryptic Away team heading out to meet and greet fans and players. It's been announced that executive producer Steve Ricosa and lead artist Samuel Wall will be traveling out to Germany in a few weeks to represent Star Trek Online at FedCon 25. Along with the rest of the European Away team, they'll be hosting panels, manning the Star Trek Online booth, and even hosting a community meetup in the evening. FedCon 25 is being held in Bonn, Germany from the 13th to the 16th of May.
0: All, all I was going to say was, I wonder, are they going to go to Destination Star Trek? Is there anyone from the cryptic team going to go to that one?
1: Well, I think these things get planned actually very close to when they happen. And since that's not happening until it's October, isn't it? We'll probably find out something later in the year don't know if any of the actual California cryptic team were there last time, but I know that Star Trek Online did have a booth because I met some of them and I got my picture taken and I got some stuff. Nice. Yeah.
2: What stuff did you get?
1: Well, actually, strictly speaking, I didn't get any stuff <laughs> because <laughs> oh. yeah, because of, you know the Facebook hidden inbox thing? You may have seen it floating around on, on social media. Yeah, I found out a long time after the fact that they'd sent me the codes for deuterium surp- no, not deuterium surplus, the red matter capacitor and a section 31 uniform, which I'm pretty sure I have anyway, and something else, I don't remember, but they've expired now, so oh yeah, I keep meaning to get back in touch with them to see if I can get that, but that was like two years ago, so I think I might just be out of luck, but theoretically I should have actually got the stuff, but it didn't quite work out that way. So check your inboxes, people
2: even the hidden ones. Mm-hmm. Swiftly moving on. It's still a couple of months until the summer veteran Ryza, but some eagle-eyed players may have spotted a new feature that's sneakily been added to the Ryza summer resort map. Site-to-site transport now includes an option to transport directly to Quen's camp. For those of you who were around last summer, you'll have noticed that there was an abandoned camp on the beach in the middle of the island. There was nothing there last year but a couple of tents and a few scattered crates. But when you transport there now, you're greeted by Quen. Remember our Ferengi friend from Time in a Bottle? The one peddling a mysterious ancient artifact that helped us find the Krenim in the Iconian War story arc? Well, he's back! Now, Quen doesn't have a lot to do at the moment when you speak to him. He simply explains that Ryza has a fair number of temporarily displaced things. And of course, to him, that spells an opportunity for profit. So what do we think he's going to be getting up to once the summer event starts?
1: I honestly have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. F- I'm failing to see how it's going to fit in. Except maybe he's a new vendor with some new stuff. Yeah, new stuff. I don't know. There, there's Dabo think. table there. Dabo, spin the wheel and win. Exactly.
0: I'm, I'm trying to picture where exactly is this guy on the Ryzen map?
1: So, you know when you do the hoverboard... Thing and you kind of go through like a river that cuts through the middle of the island. Yeah. And there's there was like an the abandoned cave. camp in there. No, not a cave. It was on. There's like a beach there, and there was just an abandoned camp with some tents. And everyone was like, "Hey, what's this tents here? Like, what is all this stuff?" And it's
0: on your. Well, I suppose it depends on what direction you're coming. I think from. it's on your right when you right. go through the mm. hoverboard. when you do the hoverboard race. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's just past the the cave on the left hand side.
1: Yes, that's right. So it's really close to where you went in uh, whatever that mission was called, where you went with Caldano to hide the Taksu Tot.
0: Sunrise, wasn't it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, I have a good idea where we are now. I'd say whatever this guy is going to do, he's going to give us some sort of a mission, a daily thing that we, you know, go here, do something, maybe go somewhere else, do something else, or and then back to him. I'd say it probably will be something like that.
1: I'll be interested to see, though, because he distinctly says that it's going that he is going to be peddling temporally displaced things. I would love to see if they're going to tie that in, so you can get artifacts from the different eras that we're going to presumably be visiting over the next few mm-hmm, months. Maybe that'd be cool.
2: Even of even gear of years gone past. Interesting. Mm.
1: That's what I thought. We shall see.
2: So that brings us to this week's community question. What do you think Quayne will get up to on Ryza this summer?
1: So moving on to patch notes. Patch notes this week were uh, rather extensive, so I'll just try and cover the big stories here. So in systems, they've resolved an issue that was causing lower performance on high-end AMD CPUs. According to Flying Targ, STO lead programmer on the forums, this fix will primarily help players with 8-core AMDs see less frame rate stuttering, but 6-core intels may also see an improvement as a result of the fix. There were also a couple issues in the featured episode Temporal Front, which have now been tweaked to help with the flow of the story. The Nicole base now has better collision to prevent being able to fly through it. Players no longer take damage during the facility explosion cutscene, which is a good one for me because the last time i played it i blew up so as soon as i got out of the cutscene, <laughs> you like wh- whatever like the ammo. message is you have been defeated or whatever i was like hang on a minute how did that happen so uh yeah that's a good fix uh, and also now flying into the nicole facility portal will now destroy player ships So moving on to other content, they've fixed a variety of minor issues in missions, such as inconsistent audio, incorrect waypoints, or bugs that could let players or NPCs get stuck. Most players probably won't notice the improvements, but they will help make the experience smoother for newer players. There were also a whole host of tweaks made to the skill system, some bugs and some balances. Most of the changes were small, but it's worth noting that threatening posture, this is the ground skill, now grants 300% plus threat when active, which is up from 200% which was its original value. Good news also for players struggling to get past Nakul Crawler Mines. Players wearing EV suits will no longer be affected by the biotoxin clouds they emit, so as long as you're happy to wear an EV suit whilst fighting, you should find the Nakul a bit easier to defeat. Now this is just a small excerpt of all the changes that were made, so as always, I'd highly recommend reading through the patch notes yourself to see if there are any fixes or changes that might affect you. We'll leave a link in the show notes for this episode at priority1podcast.com forward slash PO268.
2: Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from PW and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here's the latest comments pulled from the Twitterverse
1: community manager at laughing trendy tweeted Star Trek matters which I agree with
2: Mhm. Melange posted on the STO forums just wanted to chime in there's actually a reason behind the cutscenes that I made unskippable they precede combat and I didn't want a situation where someone skips the cutscene and triggers the combat while the rest of the party is still watching the cutscene obviously this backfired due to a fixed bug on the exploding time portal cutscene but yeah That is my mindset for skippability. Hope that makes
1: sense. Yeah, that was a nice little bit of clarification. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. This is the last week for the featured episode Temporal Front. You'll still be able to get the pieces of the Nakul Temporal Operative set after this week, but after Thursday the 5th, you'll no longer be able to get the choice of spec point or upgrade for completing the mission. And speaking of the 5th, that's the big day. As of recording this episode, we still don't have any details on what it will be, but we know something big is about to drop. So be sure to tune in to our social media channels and we'll let you know details when we do. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast or follow us on Twitter at priority one pod. In other events, the galactic restoration event is back on from the 5th through the 19th of May. The featured episode Hearts and Minds is live on Friday the 13th for two days. And finally, the Crystalline Cataclysm starts again on the 19th of May. So if you don't already have it, that's a great opportunity to pick up the TR-116B rifle now with updated graphics.
2: As always, events are subject to change without notice. Make sure you check the in-game calendar or listen in here at Prior to Win Podcast for the latest news and updates from Star Trek Online.
1: Now let's check in with Cookie and Elijah and see what's on screen
4: on screen.
3: Hello Captains, I'm Cookie.
5: And I'm Elijah.
3: And this week we're reviewing 11001001, written by Maurice Hurley and Robert Lewin, and directed by Paul Lynch. This episode first aired February 1st, 1988.
5: Riker goes on a blind date, only to be catfished by the Bynars during a routine maintenance at Starbase 74. Can Riker get the girl? Will Wesley break the enterprise? Can Data draw better than a blind man? Oh my god.
3: (laughs) Here are some fun facts. This episode won an Emmy Award in 1988 in the category Outstanding Sound Editing for a Series.
5: Carolyn McCormick, who played Minuet, returned later in the episode Future Imperfect and was used by the Romulans in an attempt to trick Riker by taking memories from his past and turning them into a holodeck program set in the future in order to get him to reveal Federation secrets. Little did they know, she was never real. And thanks to her, Riker was able to see right through the deception.
3: That was a good episode. I really liked that. Did you recognize Gene Donarski, who played Commander Quinteros in this episode?
5: No. He was
3: also, in the original series episode, "Mud's Women, as one of the male suitors. Along with the TOS episode, The Mark of Gideon as Krodak.
5: No, No, Mm -hmm. I would not have...
3: I kind of, he, I, I know exactly who they're talking about, because I just watched of Women.
5: Jonathan Frakes, who played Riker, said that the episode was, quote, a fabulous show. Those were the kind of chances we took first season, that when they worked, they worked great. It was a very chancy show, and I loved it. Those characters, the Bynars, why haven't they returned? That was a very well-conceived idea. They should have them as a regular on the ship to fix the engines, or whatever the hell they do, end quote. You know, that's a good point. How come Star Trek Online doesn't have binars?
3: Yeah, they should. There's so much you could do with them.
5: They introduced the little exocomps, but why not the binars? So, Cookie, what do you think of the episode overall?
3: Well, first of all, Captain Picard has a personal relaxation light. What the hell is that? It's for relaxing, and it's personal.
5: What does... Hold on a second. What does that even mean, a personal
3: relaxation light? Is that, like, mood lighting? I don't understand. Haven't you ever just had something decorative because it just makes you feel good? And you don't care if anybody else likes no, no, it no, no, no. and you have There's it in difference. your space? And that, like, lighting makes a big difference when it comes to relaxing. No, this he doesn't describe it as a
5: lava lamp. He describes it as some type of device that allows him to relax.
3: What? I don't... Maybe it's one of those ones that kind of dims and then gets a little brighter and then dims. Like you're closing your eyes and opening them again. Have you ever seen I, that? No. Lighting in, can... Yeah, you can do like therapeutic things with lighting. In the future, that, I'm sure but... they've got it fine-tuned and that's probably what he has. Maybe, I guess. His description of a relaxing evening was so cozy.
4: I have a little work to finish up. Then I'm going to my cabin. I'm going to put my feet up. I'm going to turn on my personal relaxation light. I'm I going to lose myself in the pages of some old novel.
3: I love Data's attempt at pure creativity while painting. The effort he put into that and how serious he took it. Both him and jordy They are so adorable. I love their friendship. I did feel bad for Data when he was blaming himself for being distracted by that painting, though. He acts like because he doesn't need rest or recreation that like he doesn't deserve to have it at all, which is so not true. Poor Data. If I were around, he would get his full share of recreation. By the way, when Riker was in the holodeck, he said,
4: But computer, blondes and jazz, seldom go together.
3: And I have to say, my natural hair color is a sandy blonde, and in this case, yes, he's right, I don't like jazz, but I'm sure that's just a coincidence. Any blondes out there that like jazz, write into us. Now is your chance to disprove this stereotype. Speaking of Riker, he was the one that first suspected something might not be right with the Bynars, and then he immediately went off to the holodeck, so I guess he didn't think they were too serious of a threat. And when Wesley was left in charge of the bridge, was he actually in command of the bridge during that time? I know the ship was technically docked, but that still counts, right? He was like, in charge of the ship. I mean, he did notice the malfunction in engineering and took all the precautionary steps, and I think he did a pretty good job. I think they casted them really well. One of them had a really sad face that you just couldn't say no to, and it was just sad. I guess I understand why they did what they did, but it really would have been better for them to just ask. But I guess it was that thats old saying, that ask for forgiveness, not permission. <laughs> I wonder what their punishment ended up being, though.
5: Never being in Star Trek lore ever again. I know,
3: that is pretty much it, because they never showed up again.
5: They got kicked from the Federation, they were exiled, there's... There's buoys all around their planets telling people not to approach. Al Rivera wants nothing to do with (laughs) them. So, I personally enjoyed this episode. Uh, For starters, the visuals of the Enterprise docking at the Starbase were absolutely stunning. And I don't think we have seen that yet, right? There was never any docking in in Season 1. So, all of this is new special effects and new models, and it's just beautiful. Especially when you're watching them in the remastered high-definition format which is available on Netflix. And if you are a Patreon subscriber of $8 or more, we can watch these episodes together. Although the theme is repeated, the musical theme is repeated time and again throughout the episode, the music is also quite fun. I particularly enjoyed the introduction of Riker's affinity for jazz. For me, it it humanized him. It made him more relatable. And I think it's, it's this appreciation for jazz that really made him my favorite character in the series. I feel like I can relate to Riker. I also think that this episode is the start of a new Picard. He wasn't as much of a curmudgeon that we've all come to expect these last several episodes in the start of the first season. He showed continuous appreciation to the crew. He smiled at them. He he let his hair down, so to speak. He was kind and gentle. As far as the story is concerned, I appreciated the overall arc. Uh, The pacing of the episode was just spot on. It had a bit of a slow start in terms of its... It's forward motion of the story. But once Riker started the Minuet holiday program, things clearly started to move forward. And we started to feel some suspense. So why is this episode great? Like I mentioned earlier, just visually it's stunning. The story, I think, is, is fundamentally Star Trek. It felt Star Trek to me. It's about cultural differences. It's about humanity. It's about love or, or passion. It's about self-doubt. Data. It's it's got some humor, it's got suspense. The, overall just this episode was just well rounded without feeling bloated like last week's episode.
3: Yeah, it was a really good one. It had so many different dimensions and every pretty much every character in it had something interesting about them, so I liked it. So what's your favorite quote? When Riker's talking to Data and Geordie about Data's painting, with Geordie's help, and he says the line
4: Keep notes. Project may turn out to be of interest to scholars in the future. Really? Well, of course think about it a blind man teaching an android how to paint that's got to be worth a couple of pages in somebody's book
3: that is so offensive first of all but it was, it was so crazy. funny well,
5: you know what though it, the, <laughs> it's offensive right it's offensive if i mean it, it's offensive but it, it's the kind of attitude that you develop with people it's the type of chemistry that you develop with people the the, the comfortability that you develop with people after working with them for a long time Right, like, that's something that I can see Tony saying to somebody on the team.
3: <laughs> Tony under the bus.
5: It, it's just something that, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't really insulting. Right. It really wasn't, right? He wasn't making fun of the fact that, that Jordy's blind. He wasn't like, ha-ha, you're blind, uh, or that Data's an android. It was, he was really just pointing out, matter-of-factly, a blind man teaching an android an emotionless android how to paint how to be creative (laughs) and again that's the type of that's the type of kind of little jab that you can only say to somebody you've developed a relationship with right because i'm pretty sure that jordy didn't go and file an hr report right it's it's not he 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 gave (laughs) him the look you know he gave him the look and that was it but it wasn't a an hr report you know
3: what about you what's your favorite quote I
5: particularly like uh, Riker's suave little move when he first meets Minuet.
4: What's a knockout like you doing in a computer-generated gin joint like this?
5: The other quote was at the start of the episode, which I thought was very telling, and, and finally recognized how crappy the holodeck is as Picard acknowledges that the holodeck is a piece of crap and needs upgrades and that's what the one part of the uh, the maintenance that the Enterprise is undergoing on Starbase
4: A routine maintenance
6: check of all systems will be made, certain upgrades completed including the holodeck with which we've had problems. I anticipate a glowing report.
3: Did you notice that? Oh yeah,
5: it's about he time calls, He calls it out in the beginning of the episode I'm like, ha, it's about time Yeah. because clearly you can get herpes from the holodeck
3: From the holodeck juices. (laughs) (laughs) So that brings us to our community question. What punishment, if any, do you think the Bynars deserve for stealing the ship? And what does the title, 11001001, translate to? What is its significance?
5: Well, that wraps it up for this week's on-screen review for Star Trek The Next Generation's 11001001. Now... Let's get a literary review with Jace.
4: Hello, Captains. This is Jace with the April edition of Trek Lit 101. I hope you enjoyed our side trek into the archives of Mad Magazine last month. That Black comic was probably the first Trek comic I ever read as a tiny Trekling back in the bygone days before the next generation. However, now it's time to get back on task and pick up IDW's Star Trek ongoing series with After Darkness. This volume kicks off in the fallout from Star Trek Into Darkness and the Countdown to Darkness comics. The Klingon Empire contemplates war in the wake of the Federation invasion of Quonos, and Kirk debates the legacy of Admiral Marcus with former Captain Robert April. These Klingon and Section 31 plot lines, which also turn out to include a conspiracy that involves the Romulans, take a back seat for most of the story, which is in one sense a retelling of the classic episode Amok Time, though greatly changed by the loss of Vulcan in the J.J. Verse. Of course, Spock's relationship with Ahura plays a major role as well, though I do miss Nurse Chapel's iconic crush on our favorite green-blooded barbarian, if I may quote Bones. Speaking of Bones, at the risk of repeating myself, His dialogue here only serves to point out how underused he is in the movies thus far. He has been great in the comics. Now the second part of this volume surprised me, partly because it tied into the Star Trek video game and its unique depiction of the Gorn, a terrifying extra-galactic threat. The other surprise came from how they resolved that tale, very different from the episode Arena, or much of what we've seen from the JJ Verse thus far. The second volume we'll look at today, entitled The Kittimer Conflict, had some echoes of Star Trek VI, and of course the backstory of Worf, in its use of the Klingon colony world of Kittimer. These issues seem to bring many of the story elements introduced over the course of the comics thus far to a head, with a major conflict among the Klingons, Romulans, Federation, and of course Section 31. While at the end there are a few dangling plot threads remaining, for the most part, I expect Volume 8 will properly begin the five-year mission, after numerous hold-ups and recalls during these two books. I felt the events were a little convoluted and overly convenient by the wrap-up, but overall I'm still enjoying the series. At this point, I'm probably just as ready as the crew is to get on with their mission. Now Roberto Orsi was a story consultant through much of the series thus far, so with him no longer involved with Beyond and his script treatment apparently being totally scrapped, I'm curious if any of the events of these comics will be later contradicted in the new film, or if Beyond will just be a totally self-contained story well away from all the known politics of the Alpha Quadrant anyway. So far from the trailers, it seems like the latter, but who can tell at this point? Still, now we're mostly over the hump of Into Darkness in the comics, so next time we'll press on and see what's out there. That's all for this week's Treklet 101. Now let's open Hailing Frequencies and see what's incoming.
3: Message coming in,
4: sir. Hailing Frequencies. Open. See. We are getting to know
1: each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
2: First up, does the cancellation of Star Trek Federation Rising spell the end of fan productions? And Rarva commented on priority one com. I think it spells the end of the willingness of people to create new Trek fan content. Nobody wants a potential CBS Paramount lawsuit or a cease and desist over something created out of and for the love of the franchise.
1: Yeah, I think Robert kinda hit the nail on the head. I'd be surprised if we saw any kind of new Star Trek fan content coming out. At least until the whole thing gets resolved. And we know where we stand. It's a bit of a shame. For our second community question, have you learned any top tips or tricks in the new Star Trek Online skill system? Gavin Runeblade posted on our website. I'm waiting for people to post cookie cutter builds for me to copy Once the arguments stop and people start complaining there's not enough variation I'll know it's a good time to handle it
2: <laughs> I like the way he that I do, I do
1: It, it is kind of true I mean, that's kind of how I started off <laughs> You know, with the old skill system So I just kind of did what other people did It seemed to work Actually, though, I, I think Especially if you're leveling up The new one is a lot easier So, yeah, just have a go
2: And finally do you think that Star Trek Online is actually Star Trek canon, or does it fall just outside of true canon?
6: Hi, this is Chris Keane. I'd like to weigh in on the community question about whether or not we consider Star Trek Online as canon. Unfortunately, for me, the TV series, the films, that's canon. Um, it just always has been, always will be, and that's the end of that. For Star Trek Online to be canon... Um, I think Kenna said it would need to be in the new series or have references then that would be totally acceptable for me especially if you hear the captain contact Deep Space Nine and you hear Curling. that would be pretty cool but I don't think that's going to happen because it's two different timelines Curlin in his, the Enterprise B in theirs You know, they're never going to chit chat and it's going to be very hard For the new creators of this new Star Trek series to put references in it. Because everything from Star Trek Online just hasn't happened yet. So, it looks like Star Trek Online probably will never be canon. Tyler Maxwell responded to our post on the STO
2: forums with a really excellent answer to this question. And I'll try to summarise it here. He says, At best, it's soft canon any new Trek series or movie has the potential to introduce new elements that can invalidate things that have occurred in STO. Screen canon trumps all other things, for better or worse. Also, some of the things in STO really only make sense in a game environment. Finally, there is always the possibility for stories and missions to be redone, retconned, removed altogether. How many tutorial and mission art revamps have we had again? So as much as I would like STO to be considered canon, it's just not. It can't be. The STO storyline won't be canon anywhere except in our own hearts. Sad face.
1: And one last thing, Patreon supporter David S. wrote in to us regarding our After Hours episode discussion about the new Star Trek series being an anthology. He wrote, The Star Trek anthology could also be used as a door for other series. If one season does remarkably well by whatever metric CBS will be using, it could then be spun off as a standalone series. Knowing that the first season will be set after the Undiscovered Country, will the next announcement be that it will focus on Captain Sulu and the USS Excelsior? A Star Trek anthology also allows CBS to experiment a bit more and give us stories we wouldn't otherwise get in this format. Wouldn't it be a nice surprise for CBS and Stowe to work together so a future season of the Star Trek anthology could focus on Captain Sean and the Enterprise F? as part of a launch for a future season of Stowe.
2: That'd be pretty cool. It would be cool. So, what if they did want to tell a story like that? Would they ask Jon Cho to play Sulu in the Prime Universe? I mean, holy timeline confusion, Batman. And what if Prime Universe Sulu met a future Sulu from J.D. Verse played by George Takei? Like, mind blown.
1: <laughs> That'd be so cool. It's never gonna happen, though.
2: Mm, wishful thinking and all that jazz.
1: No, because they need to make their own mark, etc. Ba-bum-ch. Although, having said that, you know they do come up with cameos every once in a while, and it would be kind of cool if they could bring in cameos of the JJ verse people. I don't know how they do it. It would take a bit of, you know, writer magic, but it'd be cool.
2: A walk or no, like wave and then disappear.
1: Mm. Although. Having said that, I don't know if they re- like le- not legally, but if they could do that because the JJ Verse stuff is Paramount and the other stuff is CBS. Like, could they have JJ Verse Kirk in the CBS? I don't know. I don't know. I, I
2: saw when they say something, but I think it will get cut. It's-
1: don't say it then I know. Y- you can t- you can say it After, I'll say it after. yeah. Well, that wraps up episode 268 of Priority One Podcast. We'd like to send a special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Navy Boat Slew, Stephen Humphrey and Rarva.
2: But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community questions. If you could be cast in the new Star Trek film, who would you want to be? From Star Trek Online News, what do you think Gwen will get up to in this Summer? And from our on screen segment, what punishment, if any, do you think the binars deserve for stealing the ship? And what's the significance of the episode's title 11001001?
1: Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast, or tweet us via at priority one pod. You can even leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage.
2: Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favourite podcast app to feeds.priority1podcast.com And if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave us a review. More importantly, help spread the word about the show. Invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going.
1: And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice.
2: Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulo Neal and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creative of our comic series, Jonathan Terry, can be commissioned at jontowery.com. Thanks to all of our bloggers and their managing editor, Elle. To the right of our skits, Jake Morgan, to our video editor, Jerry Tillman, and to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Media for supporting this show.
1: Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Asmaria Day Post, and Gavin LaWarn. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. And most importantly, a big thanks to you the star trek community and our listeners because without your ongoing support none of this would be possible enemy ship on
3: sensors red alert shields up
2: ready weapons
1: engage I'm Kenna.
2: And I'm Elijah. No, sorry. I'm <gasps> Mark. Should <laughs> <laughs> so we do that again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I you just
1: do... Uh, your... He read the script. He I read the script. the script. I know. I wasn't off script. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> <laughs> this the last time you filling in. Uh... <laughs> Hi, <laughs> sorry, folks.
0: Hi, everybody. <laughs> Howdy. Howdy, doody.
2: Visit us at patreon.com forward slash priority one, the word, and find out about all the cool... <laughs> what? The cool me? I don't know. <laughs> Peaks? I thought it was perks.
1: It, was, it should be perks. Uh-huh. Right, what i, I what just I does over, over in Ireland with uh, other people's skyboxes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um.
2: <laughs> uh.
0: I can't get that right. picture of now, like, you know, this guy coming up to the window and staring in.
1: <laughs> staring in the window.
0: Change the channel.
1: Gets... <laughs> change the bag. My eyes. My it's... eyes. For... For any of you who are listening who yeah. have no idea what we're talking about, there was a story recently about a, a very elderly Irish man who was going around using his uh, satellite TV remote and going around to other people's houses and using it to change the channel to a. Um... <laughs>
2: Less a than street forward.
0: Channels.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so anyway,
0: anyway that, I would shake too. that guy's hand. What,
1: what, <laughs> why don't you, why don't you do, I would not. No. Would well neither. actually what, wait a minute. Like, yeah. You know. <laughs> maybe maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Know. Now let's check I'm sorry. That's <laughs> <destructive>. I was <laughs> opening my tiny, tiny bottle of bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> All it's, right. it's it's really small and Were you imagining <laughs>
0: you're a giant? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you were I doing, would. wasn't it? I was. Oh my god!
1: It's oh, uh, only tiny. Um, where were we?
0: Taiwan professional.
1: Feedback in three, two. Oh, that's me. <laughs> oh god! It's go- it's, gone, not it's not going for very a well. to game today, folks. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Jeez, Louise. Knowing that the first season will be set after the undiscovered country, will the next announcement be that it will focus on Captain Sulu and the USS
3: <laughs>
1: U.S.S. Oh, that's hard to say. You try it. US-S-S- U.S.S. Excelsior. <S-S-S-> U.S.S. Excelsior. Oh, fine. Whatever show-offs. <laughs> <sighs> it's because I say U.S.S. As opposed to USS. I'll try I'll try USS XL Okay.